Hi, my name is Russell and I work at the video store. The one just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it is movie night. I love this job because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series all day long and talk about them with my friends that work here. Today on the show, it is a good chat with Cole and Graham. It's nice when the three of us get together and we discuss everything from current releases to some of our sort of favorites of all time, and in this case, the scariest films of our childhood. So feel free to get in touch on all our social media platforms to let us know what you found was a, a film that changed your childhood. <laughs> um, but without further ado, let's uh, open up shop. This is me doing a shift with Cole and Graham. Did you see that thing yesterday on the TV? How's it, guys? What is up? Good morning. So, we've got ourselves some fancy new microphones and some fancy new headphones. And I realized I missed a, a valuable and amazing opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, like every sports movie, when the team is like very disgruntled and like yeah, it's, don't it's, think they're going to make it. And then the coach goes, if you've got to play like a team... You gotta look like a team, and then he pulls out like cool uniforms, the and then they yes. win. Yeah, I should have done that. I should have waited until we were all like very disheartened about this podcast, <laughs> and then I was like, if we want to be a podcast, you gotta look like a podcast. And then I pull out like these microphones. We must take a big selfie. Yeah, listen, I think big it's great. Selfie. We we the the point was get something that could work. So this means nothing to anyone listening. But basically, we had this other kind of setup with these other kinds of microphones and we hacked it in such a way that it worked but it was cumbersome and it was a bit a bit annoying to it was sort janky. of it was janky it was that's janky. a good way to put it and then after 10 episodes and with us hopefully all having fun i know i'm having <laughs> lots of fun yeah we were like we need a proper setup mm. so now mm. we got a proper setup and it's cool that's it's amazing nice. speaking of which have you seen <laughs> have you seen that funny or die video about the other team that played against Airbud. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so you know Airbud's the movie where like the golden retriever yeah. comes in and sort of plays basketball. Yeah. Never watched it, but always been curious. <laughs> Just thinking of those scenes, those like sports movie scenes. There's this great funny or die where like this coach is like, like, come on guys, like we can do this. Like they've got a they've got a dog. They've got a golden retreat. How, like, is that even legal? Like, how are we losing to a dog? <laughs> and then it cuts to them at, like, another game where it, like, now references another sports movie where it's, like, angels in the outfield or, like, uh, yeah. you know, all these, like, different different um, sports movies that are completely ridiculous. Wow. When was the last time you guys watched The Mighty Ducks? It was a long time ago. It was a very long time childhood. ago. I kind of feel like the world, for the most part, doesn't really care about ice hockey anymore. Like, it's the weakest of the American sports. I suppose it depends yeah. on where you live. Yeah, they're like having if you're a Canadian, sure. then no, you're, no, sure, it's like a religion. Sure. They're having a great time with it in Canada, hey? Eight. Um, but there's a Mighty Ducks TV series now, isn't there? What? On Disney Plus. I think there's a Mighty Ducks TV series. Wow, I'm curious. I think. Old Emilio, Emilio Estevez. Yeah, I think yeah. he was back for the first season, and then, they, then he was like, I'm not doing this anymore. You know. What happens then? Because I remember there was there were a lot of issues around drug abuse and 
that kind of stuff that happened like after the Breakfast Club or like his early fame. No idea. Okay. No idea. Yeah, and isn't he a Sheen? Yeah. He is. Yeah. So What's they, up with Estevez then? He he took the mum's name. Okay. Yeah, and old Charlie took the dad's name. Yeah. I absolutely love his monologue, his breakdown in the Breakfast Club. It's so when amazing. That? That's the moment where he's talking about his dad and saying, You gotta win, you gotta win, you gotta win. And he's just <laughs> breaking down and it's before the big montage where they're all dancing and being themselves and mm. accepting who they are. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in such a long time. It is yeah. a masterpiece, man. Speaking of which, there's an amazing Twitter account yeah. where this guy, every single day, photoshops Paddington Bear into a movie. Yes, <laughs> I've seen that. It's incredible. And it's that moment of them all sitting upstairs in the breakfast club and Paddington's just chilling <laughs> and loading Aww. all the pressures of growing up in dark Peru with his aunt and uncle. I don't know. It's, it's beautiful. Okay. Yeah, but seeing him behind... Um, Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves in Speed on the bus, yeah, like with these wide eyes. <laughs> <laughs> like the the does he take um, Paddington Stalls. out of out of the movies? Yes. Paddington, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he finds Paddington. the appropriate stall and then slots him in. Oh, that's genius! That's What's it called? Great. I know. I don't know. Okay, we'll put no. it in the cash. Yeah, out. yeah, and we'll we'll post about it. That's lovely. <laughs> um, how how are you, Cole? I haven't seen you in a little while. Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, no complaints. I haven't been watching movies. I had this moment where I went onto Letterboxd just browsing and then I saw my diary and I was like I haven't watched a movie in eight days that's wild it's so wild so I rewatched um everything everywhere all at once for a second time I saw that well I okay so why I mean I how explaining how I can say I saw that is that you're watching me through the window with letterboxd <laughs> <laughs> Cole, please with letterboxd with you. when you rate and review movies um that your friends rate and review, you can see what your other friends are watching. Mm. So I could see that you watched that and I could see that you gave it five stars. Yeah, again, which without hesitation. Fucking without mm. a shadow of a doubt deserves. Mm. There's a dude um, who I'm, I'm getting to know. He's come into the Bioscope once or twice. He, he's very cool. His name is Jake. He's a drummer. He, was, he drummed for um, Spook Matumbo. Oh, yeah. and um great music videos yeah, oh, yeah 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 very cool dude and then we were just talking about yeah what we're watching and somehow we got mm. into because we were talking about music and then we got into what we were watching and i was like duty this is the podcast this is what this is what the podcast is just guys talking about what they love and then he goes on to say like you know i always had my like top five and like recently i watched something that now for the first time in a long time challenged that and i was like i know i know exactly I know what, what it is i know exactly it's what he's gonna say patience. and he's like everything everywhere all at once i was like fuck yes and we like both high-fived and we were both like we both when we were watching it we're like okay this is top five i'm like the odd one out and i still haven't seen it oh my god graham we'll make you know a video stall video yeah is you said hey i'm gonna go watch it and i was like okay no wait but i'm gonna save the little bit of money that i have for top gun Oh no! And we still haven't seen Top Gun either. Can we? I thought um, we could do another little get together soon and watch Bullet Train. Yes, Uh, is that something that Bradley Pitt film? (laughs) Bradley Pitt. (laughs) Why Bradley? (laughs) I'm off. I'm out of this joke. It's so. His name's Brad. Yeah, but why Lee? Oh, because Bruce Lee. No, because Bradley is Brad is short for Bradley. No, but no, his name isn't Bradley Pitt. Must be. It has no to be. ways. No one. No one. His parents actually... called him Brad. They were that cool. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse Someone. To they knew when he was a baby. They're like this kid. At some point in his life, he was Bradley Pitt. Yeah, he must have been. That is such a good point. Bradley oh my God. Pitt. You can always imagine like a teacher, like shouting at a kid, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> it's bizarre. If that is his real name, <laughs> they'll change their names. Who remembers yeah. him? Tom Cruise isn't Tom Cruise. Oh, what's his, his real name? Thomas. His real name. Thomas Mapotha. 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 Interesting. Yeah, yeah no, his Cruise cousin, is... who is also a Mapotha, is also an actor. I think his name's Ethan. No, his character in Lost was Ethan. I think that was intentional. Whoa. He... His cousin is an actor and he was in Lost. He's also in Mission Impossible 2 and a bunch of other things. He's the guy. This Factoid. is where, this is where yeah. my, my useless Graves knowledge, Factoid. my amazing grasp, my one skill is my amazing grasp of useless information. Yes. Is he's the guy who kidnaps the pregnant lady. Remember Claire, the pregnant yes, girl gets yes, kidnapped? Yes. That's Tom Cruise's cousin. Oh my God. Does he also have a tooth in the middle of his face? I hope not. Because that must be a genetic thing. Tom Cruise's... It, Eye teeth are the ones at the side. The incisors in the front, right? There's a dentist that's going to listen to this and be enraged. But the big teeth in the front. Yeah. Tom Cruise. There's two, right? There's yes. two of the big ones. And they should be on either side. Yeah, of, like of your middle, the middle, of your line, face. middle line, the symmetry. And then Tom Cruise's one is directly in the middle of his of his face, lines up with his nose. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you look oh, at his very early dark. movies, he had really messed up teeth. Yeah. Like he had bad teeth. Um, yeah. After having them corrected, it was when it was like. Yes. Oh, I see. Centered. So it's probably got to do with the jaw. It's just, he's that symmetrical. <laughs> yeah. What's the movie where, where they're the gangs and they fight each other? Gangs of New York? No, no, with Tom um, Cruise. It's that early movie. It's like one oh, of yeah, the first, exactly star it was one of his about. first starring roles. I know exactly what you're talking about. We read the book when I was in high school. And it's those two kids that sort of like think pony boy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it's called though. The Other Boys or something. The Outsiders. The, the Outsiders. Yes. Coppola. It's a good book. I remember. Yeah, it's a Coppola film. It's a Coppola film, yeah. and it's like it's everyone. It's Tom Cruise, Patrick Swayze. Yeah, there's a bunch. Oh, of and they're like, all babies. They're yeah. all like young kids, and they're all like Whoa. sort of like greasers, like yeah. sort of um, West Side Story kind of greasers. You know, mm -hmm. where they like can't see past the sort of boundary of their town. You know, where yeah. they like they got to fight each other, and it's live or die. And it's like, dude, just mm. fucking calm the fuck down. <laughs> Go to school. Like, get a job. Like, calm down, mates. Um, I getting back onto everything everywhere all at once. Oh yeah. Uh, the amazing thing about that film, and I think you'll appreciate this when you watch it, but in hindsight, um, Russ, is that uh, the visual effects team. Think of all the visual effects in that movie, it's right? Insane. All the transitions between all the dimensions and everything that's happening are a grand total of five people. Yeah. And oh, they really were working yeah. on like laptops and home computers yeah. and. It's yeah. wild. And in one of the sequences, in one of the big montages, they actually flash cut to a Zoom meeting of all of the VFX artists talking about the film during the pandemic. <laughs> and I'm like, every time it Amazing. happened, like in the last screening, I was like pausing. I was like, is it there? Is it there? And I'm like, I can't find it. It's wild. I mean, we've spoken about the movie, but just to just quickly rehash it and do a quick back of the box. It's, a, it's, a, it's an American film made by um, two filmmakers. They both have their first name, Daniel, and so they call themselves Daniel, a film by... Daniels. Daniels, a film by Daniels. They did Swiss Army Man, which had old mm. Harry Potter and Paul Dano, <laughs> and so they're largely quite new on the scene. They did a bunch of music videos, which also explains a lot, like very experimental in that mm. sense. So it's a big, it's a, it's a relatively big budget film um, about an Asian family that are living in America, and it's at the center of it, it's about the relationship between the mom and the daughter. But it's about like everything. It's multi-universes and people traveling through universes and fight sequences. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's so fun. And I think that's the, 
best part about it is that yeah. like it's not taking itself seriously at all. So it's a complex film and it's a lot to digest, but it's not this kind of crazy abstract take itself so seriously super fucking arty thing. Yeah. It's so playful and it's so fun. Mm. And it's about one little thing and it's about everything at the same time. I mean, hence the name. Mm. It is the most exciting film I've seen in, a, in, in such a long time. Mm. And what was so cool, and this is something I've been meaning to bring up and tell you, I don't think I've told you, is I watched it at the Prince Charles, the cinema in London. So oh, I went yeah. on this trip with my dad and we uh, to Scotland. And on the way home, we passed through London. And I've always wanted to see the cinema called the Prince Charles, which since really kind of the last few years of the bioscope, like really blossoming as more of like a fun, culty kind of event cinema space. It's, I found the cinema, I just sort of stumbled across it on, on Instagram, mm. the cinema in London. And it's so crazy to see this, what the cinema is doing, because they do a lot of old stuff and fun stuff and, 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 and eventing. And it's so cool to see their ideas because I've had a lot of the exact same ideas or we're oh, kind of doing right. the same thing at the same time or I can look at that and go, wow, that is a movie to do. Yes. You know? And so um, you can tell what kind of a person I am that if I've got one night in London, right. I want to go watch a yeah, movie. Yeah. But I want to go specifically to this place. And um, I've got a few buddies that are in London and we met and um, and it was so cool to go. And it was just, it was the first time in a while I was in a cinema with lots of people. Mm. And I've sort of mentioned this before because with the Bioscope, we often sell out, but I'm not in the cinema. I can't sit in the cinema. One, I'd rather give that seat to a paying customer. <laughs> but also like when I'm here, I work, I'm at the back, I'm running around, I'm starting the movie, I'm handling things. I can't sort of sit and enjoy a movie in right. my own cinema. So it was the first time in a long time because London, this is what was so nice about being there two or three months ago, is that like there's no masks and like everyone's out and it's such a pedestrian city. Mm. So it was such a lovely night to be around people and especially watch a movie like that where there's yeah. gasps and there's laughs and there's To be back with the crowd. And there's... At oh, Rosebank, um, it was so, there it was, was, so cool. there was an mm. older couple um, and I mean, not to spoil anything, but like there's a moment where you look at a desk and I... I I tapped Michael on the shoulder and I said to him, are those butt plugs? <laughs> and I said, are those butt, plug, butt plugs on her desk? Later on, it is confirmed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then halfway through the movie, this old couple, during one scene in particular, they just got up and walked off. They were just like, not <laughs> no, for us. I was like, nope, not for us. <laughs> Daryl, um, Daryl, the guy I started the bicycle yeah. with, told me this funny story about how he was in the cinema watching Milk. You know, the yeah, yeah. Sean Penn movie where he's homosexual. <laughs> I know. He's, this, is, he's, this is where the story's from. I know what story you're about to tell me. Uh, and I've told people about it before. Well, where, 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 the, it. where the other people behind him, he just heard, ach, no, man. Yeah, when two like, boys made out. <laughs> you, you just hear, ach, no, man. And the guy like it's walks It's such up. a South African moment. <laughs> yeah. You sit down, go to a movie. Oh, politics. This is going to be fun. The history like, of American oh, politics. I know, I know yeah, Sean Penn. Yeah, yeah, Sean Penn's a good actor. And all of a sudden, two boys lay into each other, smacking each other's bums, running around an apartment. Oh, no, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on everything, everywhere, all at once, you can't stop talking about this film. Um, it's great to see its nods to older cinema and its reverence for older cinema, but also how self-aware it is. It's part of this whole meta trend that we're part of, where Jamie Lee Curtis started her career with Halloween. Yeah. And um, also, not to give away too many spoilers, but that plays a massive part 
I never and thought about that. Yeah. And you can right. see her. I, I don't think you've ever seen an actor having more fun in the film. <laughs> yeah. Jamie Curtis. She sort of let it all out. Like, literally, she's sort of like And playing flabby, it so, f- playing it so hard and extreme, mm. but then still making it believable and not making it too kabuki. You know, and being unre- unbelievable. Right. Um, and then also another lovely Hong Kong film to watch is In the Mood for Love, which yes. is... Which they've de- very much referenced. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. glad you saw it because we watched yeah. that in lockdown together. Yeah, we did. Um, and it's commonly believed to be the best romance film ever made. So it's all about forlorn right. love. I could... I could amazing. Yeah. I, I must say, I, I wasn't... My... my my socks stayed on when I watched that movie. <laughs> it, it, didn't blow, it didn't blow me away. Oh, it's a slow burn. It's a very slow burn. It's, but all, I'm, I'm it's, glad it's, like, it's all it about like properly. cinema conveying the emotion that's not being spoken by the characters. It's, it's in the colors. It's in the framing. Right. And it's all of that. The tension is palpable. Wong Kar Wai. Yes. Yeah. Um, another movie I watched around the same time, which I wanted to chat to you about now that I've seen it, as we spoke about it in earlier episodes, is The Lost City. Oh, I yes, watched it, it on the plane. It's delightful. It's amazing, right? <laughs> it's so delightful. Have you ever have you no, seen it? No, no, no. Um, so it's it's a real Hollywood picture romp mm. adventure. Um, funny premise. Um, Sandra Bullock is like a a sort of erotic writer, right? Sort of cheesy romance novels, kind of erotic novels, and um, Channing Tatum is is. Uh, the guy who's used in all the covers of her books right. as the as the model. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> not the inspiration for anything, but just the face of this guy that yeah. often comes up and in the novels. And takes his career far too seriously. Yeah, and everyone's more excited about him than the kind of than the person who right. wrote it. And and they they get thrust together into this adventure hmm. um, where Daniel Radcliffe <clears throat> is the bad guy. He does very well. Amazing. Um, and he um, basically believes that Sandra Bullock knows, because Sandra Bullock used to be uh, an um, archaeologist archaeologist before right. and uses some of those kinds of references. That, that her yeah. main character in her books is an archaeologist, right? Yes. And so Daniel Radcliffe believes um, she knows the actual secret location of like an actual treasure. So it's it's... Okay. And so basically uses kind of kidnaps her and Channing Tatum sort of comes on by accident mm-hmm. and is joined. But what's so great about the movie is that it's very aware of how silly it, mm. it is. They're like, she's like, this is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I'm just a writer. Like, my God. But um, yeah. Also featuring Bradley Pitt. Bradley Pitt's ah. in it. Mm. He's magical. He's it's, in a quick sort of cameo. Okay. Of it does an amazing job of understanding archetypes and those characters perfectly manifesting those archetypes. Like yeah. what Brad Pitt does in terms of being this hyper-masculine, like amazing adventurer, like old um, SAS or special forces guy yeah. and Chang Tatum being a complete buffoon <laughs> who's just relied on his good looks his whole life. Right. Yeah. You know, all in the same situation. It's really, really good. Oh, I loved it. I really loved it. I thought it's just such a great date night movie. It's such a great, mm. fun movie because it's a lot of its humor is very smart. It's very aware of itself. It's very aware of its characters. It's very aware of everything. So it's it's great to see those kinds of movies get, mm. get made where you can mm. still have such a popcorn movie. Yeah. I, I feel like The Gray Man is kind of similar Oh, have you watched that? Uh, mm. New Netflix, the Russo brothers. Mm. It's kind of aware of itself, but it's also just, 
don't know. Apparently, it left, it left me a little cold. To be that honest. film's budgets, I think it was something like 60 to 80 million dollars less or more than Dune. And wow. everyone's been complaining about that. I think, uh, yeah, about I think they said it's Netflix's most expensive movie. Well, yeah. it's so wild to watch that. And it's so wild to see that as a as like a made-for-TV movie. And just how yeah. much the world has changed. Mm-hmm. Imagine telling someone who makes like a TV movie that like this is the kind of movie that's going to get made for television. Yeah. For one TV channel. <laughs> they'd, they'd like, they'd, they wouldn't be able to handle that yeah. information. It's wild that so much money can go to like into one film. Mm, yeah. It's a super huge budget and they're like they're in this like Croatian like castle at the end. It's wild. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not a bad movie. It's a bit like meh. I think the reactions that I've seen, I haven't watched the movie yet, but the reactions are so weird. Like the the way people are speaking about it is they were for some reason expecting it to just be like the greatest action film ever made. Like the, it was marketed as like it was going to change the action genre, but it wasn't marketed like that as all no. at all. But that's the way people are reacting to it. Yeah, like they were like, "This is just going to be like an action movie with famous people in it." Yeah, and I'll be once you guys watch it, I'll be curious to know what you think because old Gosling, it's so funny. He makes one soppy romantic film, mm-hmm. The Notebook, and then gets kind of so quickly thrust into sort of heartthrob status, he then goes, oh, fuck no, and (laughs) proceeds for the rest of his life to make the most, like, violent shit. Yeah. (laughs) Because he so desperately doesn't want to be that guy. He doesn't want to be topcast. And so if you've watched Only God Forgives and Drive and stuff, it's quite And, like, that's all the way in the other direction. Yes. Mm. Where he, like, bludgeons dudes to death and, like, only God Forgives is a tough, tough movie. It was movie. a tough movie. And it is draining. violent and draining and like... Oh. And also like nebulous and weird. And yeah. I didn't odd, get it. Odd, odd, odd movie. Like one does not need to necessarily see it. Drive was perhaps the the perfect kind of combination of it where mm. it was like you could kind of get the character and you liked him and then but he did some violent shit and you're like, okay, cool. Um, and then he's like dialed it back more now. So like Grey Man, he's like a nice hero. But he's also like, nothing can go wrong. So it's a little, Mm. like he gets messed up throughout the movie, but you know he can make it out. And he like beats up everyone. And so he's like a little bit of an Ethan Hunt. He's like, he's a little bit of a James Bond, but it's. Yeah, he's mastered that that brooding, silent action hero type, especially in Blade Runner. Oh, my word, that is so good. So I, I brought it up in another conversation with Gad where there's this great interview with him around the press that he did for, for Grey Man, um, where they ask him a great question. And I want to now bring it to you guys at some point in this episode. You, um, it was the, the question was, what do, you, what do you tell people is your favorite movie? And what is your actual favorite movie? <laughs> and in this interview with, with Brian Gosling, he was perfect. He just gave such funny answers. He, he tells everybody it's like, um, what's the... What's the famous Citizen Kane or something. Yeah. yeah. But it's actually Step Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were you going to say? Uh, just talking about Ryan Gosling mastering the brooding role. Have you guys ever seen First Man? Yeah. No. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Did dude. you like it? I loved it. Well, first of all, I'd like that whole era and like the, the Apollo program, all that stuff. I was like yeah. obsessed with that as a kid. So, so back of the box on First Man, it's it's basically the Neil Armstrong yeah. biopic. Yes. But it's done... It's done in a very like 
atypical way. Like it's yeah. not, it's not this kind of soppy. It's like the antithesis Hollywood of Apollo movie. thirteen. Like Apollo thirteen is all about the, the romance, the, like oh. the romanticizing the era and how like mm. heroic it is. It's mm. about like the the success of you know bringing the Apollo thirteen astronauts back alive as opposed to like the failure of the fact that they almost died. Whereas, wow. like, you know, launching this, the freaking rocket in Apollo 13 is, like, heroic and triumphant. Mm. Whereas, like, launching a rocket in First Man is, like, claustrophobic and, like, violent and terrifying. It's, very, it's a very you know? sensory film. He, like, yeah. hardly says anything. Yeah, he's very quiet and subdued. And, and apparently this was his, th- that was his last movie. I, to... I heard something that Grey Man was actually Ryan Gosling's first movie since that. Really? Which was quite a while ago. Like, he actually hasn't done an incredible amount of acting since. And now he's about to star in his greatest feature film role to date. Bobby. Bobby. Oh, Oh my gosh. It's so wild. (laughs) I'm just... And there's there's so much to be excited about. The the pictures of of them on, like, in neon (laughs) roller skating gear. Yeah. Him and Margot Robbie. So he's obviously, like, Ken. Yeah. Yeah. There's There's three Kens. Well, at least that's what I understood from the marketing is... Uh, Shima Liu, I think his name is, the lead actor from um, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi, yeah. And then Nkati Gatwa, I might be mispronouncing that name, the new Doctor Who guy from Sex oh, Education. Yes. Okay. The three of them have all been cast, and I believe that they're all kins. Right. So it's that whole thing of like kin came in different forms or whatever. But yes. I think that's and like the different flavors of the month for Barbie or whatever is fashionable. Yeah. That's really curious. A cool thing is that someone stumbled yeah. upon the fact that Margot Robbie... On Letterboxd. Roby. Roby. Sorry, Robbie. <laughs> Carry on. Robbie. Sounds, yeah, um, interesting. Um, but the idea that on her Letterboxd, so actors are always given reference films to watch for whatever reason, like style, treatments, performance references, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, Margot Robbie always gets these, like, sorry, is, am I saying it wrong? What's it? Robbie. No. Okay, Margot. It's always been Robbie. Robbie. Unless I haven't watched enough interviews to know. Okay. Um, but... She, um, on her letterbox, she's on this like, like weird burner, uh, uh, letterbox accounts that's not got her name on it. But people I don't know how someone, yeah, someone has picked up on the fact that it's hers, okay. that she's got movies to watch for Suicide Squad, movies to watch for Barbie. And oh then gosh. it's like this leak of the director's treatment where you can go see all the films that she's been told to watch to prepare for Barbie. Okay. Which is really interesting. And looking what, at the do you films, know what the films are? I'd never heard of any of them. Right. Okay. And I can't remember any of their names. Who, who's directed Greta Gerwig? Yeah. Okay. So Little Woman. Amazing choice. Yeah. Lady Bird. Lady Bird, yeah. Yeah. So Greta Gerwig, who's doing Francis Ha, this is another film. Like the most incredible, incredible filmmaking when it comes to mm. like the age of representation that we've been talking about on the show quite a bit. Mm. Um, but making these stories that are just stories, um, but they're about women. They're about women going through, you know, adolescence angst in the early noughties in Lady Bird. Yeah. And it's taking Little Woman, which has been adapted to death yeah. over the years and like adapting it properly. Yeah. You know, not a whole bunch of dudes adapting it because it's a popular adaptation. Or the weird anime version. What? There's an anime version of Little Woman. What? <laughs> oh my. Well, uh, Patrick H. Willems, the YouTuber, did a whole video about Greta Gerwig's Little Woman and looking yeah, yeah. at like, the older versions of that. Yes. And how many adaptations and stuff they've been. And one of them's an anime adaptation. Wow. Wild. It's weird. But, so this is this is like a this could be a weird career make or break because everyone's now going to very much look at her for what she'll do with Barbie. Mm. 
Mm. It's a big moment. Yeah. It's and a if big it's moment a, and if it's official, yeah, like Barbie are very careful about how they market and advertise and yeah. mm. f- and do things. Yeah, I'm very protective of the the brand. Yeah, mm. that's very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Okay, I just watched uh, two movies that are on circuits. Mm? Uh, the first was Lightyear. Oh uh, yeah, that's yes. on Disney Plus this week, I think. Mm. Yeah, Gad Gad spoke about it. He watched. Oh, did he speak it. about he, it? He watched it okay. on on Disney Plus. What okay. did, What did you think of it? Uh, I didn't enjoy it at all. I think Buzz is no fun without Woody. Interesting. And I think that's also. Um, I don't think the nostalgic prequel reboots trend is Pixar's forte. Mm. Yeah. I don't think it works particularly well. I don't think it's like a good setting for the story or that character. Yeah, I've heard, like the whole kind of premise, so to speak, of the film is that back in whatever year it was when Toy Story came out mm-hmm. and Andy was obsessed with Buzz Lightyear, it's because he watched the Buzz Lightyear movie and this is that movie. Oh, right. Yeah, they said that at the beginning, but not yeah. in the marketing, but which is weird. It seems too but much. But the reaction seems to be like, if this isn't the movie that a kid like Andy would become obsessed with this character about, like it's too yes. serious and too dour. Exactly. Okay. It doesn't feel like a kid's movie at all. Right. Yeah, it takes itself far too seriously. I mean, like, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of jokes that are really cool. Would it be better if it wasn't a Buzz Lightyear film, take this, exa- this exact same movie and name the character something different, would it be a better movie? No. Okay. Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. And if Tim Allen had done the voice? I think, like, a lot of Buzz's appeal is in the contrast of his character with Woody. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Uh, okay. Well, here, here's the more important question. Someone who has a kid who is just desperately looking for something to watch. I mean, it'll be fine. Oh, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it will be okay. Because there's enough little silly <laughs> jokes there with the little robot <laughs> I'm not, cats. I'm not right. talking about the 30-year-olds that like... <laughs> grew up with Andy. Yeah, yeah. Grew up with Toy Story. Yeah, exactly. You know. But it, um, it'll do its job as like a Disney movie for a family. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, okay. What was the other one? The Black Phone. Oh. It's The Black Phone. Ethan so uh, back of the oh, box there. That's the poster that's got him like that in that crazy sort of weird, weird mask. mask. Okay, mm. yeah, what is that? So directed by Scott Derrickson, who directed Sinister and the first Doctor Strange film. Um, uh, okay. He replied okay. to a tweet of mine once, which was pretty cool. <laughs> um, I was complaining that we couldn't get cinema um, Sinister on cinemas in South Africa. Or mm. We weren't getting it and was taking months and months. And he's like, we have to sort that out. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Scott. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um but the back of the box there is that there's a um, an abductor of young boys in a 70s suburban neighborhood in America called The Grabber, okay. which is my first problem with it. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's try to be a bit more imaginative, like some journalist late at night. Not a true like, story. I don't think so. It doesn't okay. say based on truth or anything. Um, it's actually adapted off of a Joe Hill short story who is Stephen King's son. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, it definitely feels like you can see where the short story like might have taken place. And it's extended kind of into this thing that becomes too much of a Stephen King movie. Mm. All right. But but what's the story? Sorry, again, back of the box. So there's this dude abducting children in a suburban neighborhood in America. I don't know how much of it is too much to give away. Oh, no, it's, it's not. It happens early on in the film where a protagonist that they're setting up inside this neighborhood um, who's a boy that's bullied and he likes someone. So it feels coming of age in the beginning is suddenly abducted by this person. Okay. And the film revolves around him um, trying to get out of this guy's basement. Is Ethan Hawke the grabber? Yeah, Ethan Hawke is the grabber. 
Okay. That's pretty obvious from the get-go also. Um, and yeah, I think it's... So it's about, it, the whole movie really is about the kid trying to escape. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. And with the help of his sister, who's kind of got a clairvoyance, like um, incorporeal omnipresence, like power, kind of like a shining thing. Mm. So also like you can see the undertones of Stephen King there as well. Um, and uh, the black phone is a phone inside the basement that's supposed to be disconnected from whatever use it had in the past, where it's now a way for the boy to be in touch with the other boys who were murdered by this guy Ooh, and help him escape right. from beyond. Um, okay. Yeah. You liked it? Um, yeah, it was okay. I think like Scott Derrickson is really good at um, like cinematic storytelling, like using his camera in relationship to his actors and moving that around in interesting ways, mm. building tension, um, and also like those super eight mil like little short form cutaways that he did in Sinister are horrifying. I don't know anything. About it's Sinister. it's a terrifying horror film. It's really what was the other good. one that he did? Uh, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Okay, mm. like, the so that's the Doctor big Strange. the big Marvel. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, like as soon as the grabber kidnapped like he was standing there with a whole bunch of black balloons i was like oh okay that's pennywise like uh, right. you know a lot of the notes are too obvious or referential and i think that's um it, it it doesn't do enough of um pathologizing its antagonist um, pathologizing what does yeah, it like mean making like making us understand what's wrong with him like or making that compelling so it's like when uh, you look at hannibal lecter yeah right you're 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 engaging with something incredibly compelling there in terms of yeah. like a power play, mm. his like intelligence, but he's never blinking. Yeah. You know? Okay. It's like that kind of thing. But w okay. So where are you going with all of this is something I brought up in the episode with, um, Carrie Ann is a, is a show on Apple TV plus called Blackbird with, uh, Taryn Egerton. Edgerton. Edgerton. How the fuck do you pronounce his surname? Edgy. Edgerton. Edgerton. Taryn Edgerton. It's really good. It's a really good show. And it's also the same thing when you speak of the pathology. Yes. The new word I've learned today. The, <laughs> I knew the word, but I never kind of thought about what it meant. Um, getting into the mind of a serial killer and sort of understanding that serial killer. Right. Mm. It's, a, and, it's based and on a true story, isn't it's it? It's based on a true story. Okay. That's the wildest part. And that's something I actually didn't mentioned when I was chatting to to Carrie Ann is that it's 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 a true story about how they get this other guy to go into maximum security prison to try and get this serial killer to confess properly because there's a chance that he could have been coerced into into uh, admitting to one or two murders and so he could make his way out but everyone else believes like this guy's killed like 13 more young girls oh it's wild mm. Ooh, it is so good but speaking of apple tv plus <laughs> We are getting into the thick of this TV show called Trying. Have you heard of Trying? Mm -hmm. Yes, I've heard it of it. It is so lovable. It is so lovely. It's about a couple in the UK. They live in London. They live in Camden. And um, they, they want kids, but they can't have kids. So the first episode or the first season is about them sort of trying to fall pregnant. Then it's about them trying to adopt. And we're now at the point where... Spoiler alert, but it's not too much of a spoiler, but they, they now are able to have these kids and they're looking mm. after these kids as, it's, as, a, as parents. It's Rafe Spall, isn't it? The lead. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, Rafe Spall. It's a cool Timothy name. Spall's son. Who's mm. Timothy Spall? 
British actor. He was a um, good old uh, rat in Harry Potter. Oh, yes. Uh, Peter Pettigrew. Okay. Tasty Spawn. And also played Mr. Turner. Sorry, I won't get into that. Great for me. But it's it's just so lovable. And it's it's funny when it needs to be funny. It's super endearing when it's endearing. And it's like it's mostly about this couple and how they sort of support each other and how they complement each other. And, okay. But it's great British humor. It's called trying. It's so nice. good. It's, sounds very nice. Yeah. Race so, Ball's very underrated. That he is so such underrated. A actor, what know? else has he been in? The Ritual. Oh, dude, I keep. It's one of those films that I, I'm like, we need to watch it. Like, mm. every time we watch a movie, I'm like, we should watch The Ritual. Yes. It looks so interesting. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. It is terrifying. But, I mean, he's been in. He's in Prometheus. He's in Shaun of the Dead. Mm. He's in. Oh, uh, what is he in Shaun of the Dead? He's the, like. You got red on you. You got red on you. The. the the employee who's like really shit to Sean. The teenager. Yeah. That's Rafe's ball. He was, he was quite chubby back then. Oh. He's also in Jurassic World, Jurassic World 2. <laughs> this is so wild. Like a dude I'd never noticed in anything else, a name I couldn't remember. Has been in remember, everything. And you guys know all about him. Yeah. Rafe. He's a good actor. Small. No, he's Rafe. small. Amazing small. actor. Yeah. Particularly in the ritual because he leads there. Okay, cool. You know, he's not just the antagonist or a side character. Nice. So You've very, very seen cool. the ritual. Yeah. What is that? The back of the box in the ritual is it's a whole bunch of friends who experience an incredible trauma where their one friend after a night partying out in London is murdered when a shop is uh, uh, stolen from. Well, my Robbed. 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 Well, <laughs> it's, it's early <laughs> in the morning. Um, and Rafe Spall's character had an opportunity to prevent this from happening or at least to intercede and he didn't. So he's got this incredible guilt of seeing his friend murdered in front of him mm -hmm. and that friend wanted to go hiking in Norway okay. I feel because um, they were talking about what they were going to do as like a whole bunch of mates so in his memory they go on this holiday mm -hmm. and then they they go create a little shrine to him on top of a mountain and drink some whiskey in his honor and the one friend um, breaks his ankle while hiking or like strain, sprains it or something and then they are going to go back to the, the the cabin where they stay and they can see it on the horizon, but then there's there's a whole bunch of treks all the top of mountains and they're like, this is going to be more difficult with your broken legs, so they're going to move through the forest. And it's when they get into the forest that they start being hunted by this otherworldly... And it's, it, it becomes a little bit of a psychological horror initially. Mm. Okay. But then when you find out like what's going on, it's called the ritual. Um, you can like piece some things together there. Yeah. It's... Absolutely terrifying. Okay, uh, so, so for the most part, it's a scary horror movie. It's a scary, scary horror movie. Wild. And it, is it on anything? Huh? It's on Netflix. Yeah, it's is a it Netflix, Netflix movie. Mm. Yeah. It looks really good. I mean, it's very Speaking of scary, well, kind of psychological thrillers that are also kidnappy, we sort of spoke about kidnapping earlier. Mm. Um, the other Villeneuve movie um, with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Prisoners. Hugh Jackman. Prisoners. Yeah. <gasps> mm. And Paul Dano. Yeah. Ah, that's a good movie. Like, what do you guys think Hugh Jackman's best performance is? Ooh. Listen, Prisoners is close. Right? Yeah, it must be. It's up there. Yeah. It's it's wild. It's it's. Uh, I'm trying to think exactly what the back of the box is. I just remember, I can't remember the subtleties of it, but basically it involves kidnapping and involves missing daughters. Yes, mm. his daughters go missing. Hugh Jackman's daughters kidnapped. And he thinks, he thinks that Paul Dano's Paul done it. 
Don. So he he Sorry. captures him. So everyone's sort of prisoners of prisoners, and yes, yeah, so Jake Gyllenhaal is the investigator that's stuck in the middle of this ethical quandary. Fuck, it's haunting. It is, yeah, it's hectic. But it's so good. It so is amazing. Good. Mm. I mean, I, fucking hell, it's good. <laughs> Like edge of your seat kind of, and it haunts you and it sticks with you. It's like, mm. it doesn't always have to be, I think this is what you were meaning by psychological horror. It doesn't always have to be like scary, mm. creepy monster. Mm. And it doesn't have to be these kind of jump scares. It can be this I like know. haunting kind yeah. of like. Yeah, I remember your, I, I actually got stuck in it. This is really serendipitous. I got stuck in a letterbox black hole of making another list last night. God help oh, yeah. me. Um, and it was my favorite horror movies. I don't, I can't remember how I got stuck on it, but I was going through everything and trying With, to remember. These within forms. your profile, you're making a list. Yes. Okay. Um, I yeah, I have far yet. too many. <laughs> I have far too many lists. Okay, we must share some of these lists. Yeah, no, they're very cool. Um, but um, I got like in my ranking, I got to the thing in the Exorcist in my top two, and I was sitting there yeah. trying to think of. I've never seen the Exorcist. Oh, uh, so Graham. Um, has said something about the Exorcist, and I don't know if you remember that what it was. That wasn't me. You've quoted me as saying that before, but no, it, it wasn't me. No, it was you, Graham. It wasn't me. Because <laughs> I also haven't what seen is the it? Exorcist. What is it? What? <laughs> this is blowing my mind. What the? Where did this happen? I don't know. No, well, what Graham. Is it? What is it? It wasn't me. Okay, we'll get back to the fact that me and so you I haven't so watched it. So I'm so unsettled. What There's this Mandela effect happening in my brain right now. <laughs> but basically, um, I remember not Graham saying that, you know, like... The thing with good horror, and it's like jump scares serve a, a role, yeah, right? Sure. In entertaining, at least, I think. But the problem with the jump scare is that the setup is what engages and it pays off with that, but then it, it just is gone. Yeah. I right? mean, you, these days in horror films, a jump scare is just a loud noise. They're yeah. not even earned. They just go, bong. Yes. And then you go, oh, <laughs> and it's meaningless. Yeah. Noise. But the thing with The Exorcist is that it's. What Graham didn't say is that it's the most <laughs> deeply unsettling yeah. film you'll yeah. ever see in your life. I think that's why it, it, it stood some test of time. You know? mm. there's, there, there are scary things that happen. There are jump scares that pay off, but there's this incessant brooding where it feels like you're watching something that's possessed by an evil spirit, right? Like you shouldn't be watching this. Yeah. And it just sits with you and gnaws at you for like its entire runtime. Yeah. And then, yeah, like it, it's very it insightful, does a good Graham. job of... Yeah, well done, Graham. I've carried that with me for so many years. Okay. Well, I, guess, I don't really want to see it. Do I need to see it? Yes. Fuck. It's like one of the greatest horror movies ever made. It was also like one of the first major blockbusters in that era of Jaws. Suddenly, I think it may have been before Jaws, but I know Jaws yeah. was the first major blockbuster. Hmm. But if you go on YouTube, you can find clips of people talking about like when people would line up around the block. To watch The Exorcist. To go watch The Exorcist and hmm. go back and watch it again because... Obviously, there were there are stories around like um, since and during production, like a whole bunch of weird accidents happening, and people being killed. Like a whole bunch of people have died since making the movie, which normally happens with every movie. Yeah. But like <laughs> people die, yeah. you know. But it's because it's this film. It's got this legacy attached to it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, deeply unsettling. Don't watch it with your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Don't watch it with your mother. Me knowing your mother, yeah, I can tell you right now that was a bad idea. No, yeah. no I, I, I don't think I've ever watched it with her, but she's always been like, if she saw me watching it, she'd be like, I can't believe you're watching this. <laughs> there was a movie that haunted me a lot when I was young. It's got a name that sounds a bit too silly, but it really was deeply unsettling. It was a movie with Richard Gere called The Mothman Prophecies. Oh, yes. Supposedly based on a true story. 
Really? Yeah. Allegedly. That What's the was, back of the box there? That was fucking scary. <laughs> it just, um, generally him being sort of haunted by this thing. But what was scary about it, I think it was sort of like it came into this town. Like people sort of saw this moth sort of type figure. If anything, it sort of manifested as this kind of light. And it happened and it freaked a bunch of people out. And I think he came into the town... To investigate, to, to investigate it. it. Yeah, and the, then, the, his character is based on a real guy named John Keel, who wrote the book called The Mothman Prophecies. That was amazing. <laughs> I told you, I have one skill. I have one skill, and it's like, an amazing grasp of useless information. I am digging out the most obscure movie from <laughs> my childhood, and you know the author of the book yeah. it was based on. <laughs> Fuck. Um, but what was scary about it, please, um, before, yeah, is, is that... Is that what this thing was? I guess it's kind of similar to what makes it so scary. Is that it was any? It could have been anything. It was just a frequency. Mm, it was a. Yeah. It was a thing in the air. It sort of, it spoke to him on the phone at one point. That was fucking scary. But um, it was. It was wildly, wildly yeah. terrifying. At least for me. Mm-hmm. So, how much do you know about this movie? Um, well, you know about the book. A little bit. Well, the guy who wrote the movie whose name escapes me right now, was on a podcast I used to listen to okay. called Astonishing Legends. Okay. And they talk about the whole story of the mm-hmm. Mothman and John Keel and Indrid Cold. Who's that? He, so the guy who talks to him on the phone yeah. is a, a being named Indrid Cold. Who's yes. an alien who multiple people claim to have encountered over the years. And that's the sort of true story aspect yeah. of it, is that, is that people kind of have have said that they've been contacted yes. by this name. Yeah. Oh, God. That's freaking me out just thinking That's about it. terrible. <laughs> was, that, was that the film you watched as a kid that gave you many sleepless nights? Yeah, it, it, it gave, my, uh, gave my onion another layer. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like all right, I'm, I'm a different person now. I'm freaked out. <laughs> I, I do remember there's one really cool line in that where he's, he's talking to him on the phone. And he's just, because he's, he's a journalist, I think. Yes. He's trying to figure things out. And he says to him, what do you look like? And he responds with, depends on who's looking. That's oh, wow. such a cool line. And, he's, and, and, he, and he knew what was in his hand. Yes. He's like, he said, well, Which is one but, of the supposedly true aspects of the story when he was actually talking to Indra Cold. Also, Indra Cold was talking to someone. He actually told him he's, he's, what he was he sort of He sort of grabbed something. And he's all alone, all by himself. And he's like, okay, well, what's in my hand? And you just hear this voice go like chapstick. That's like he's holding this chapstick yeah. in his hand. Oh, no, <laughs> no ways. <laughs> I'm not good for that. Eh? No, I did same. in in varsity in film school. We did a, a Japanese sort of little semester, mm. and we did manga and we watched Grave of the Fireflies and all those kinds of things. And uh, we did the original Japanese Dark Water. And I watched I've that. This. Mm. I watched that as a grown ass man. <laughs> In broad daylight, and I was freaked the fuck out. I've heard people say it's a scary film ever And I was freaked out by, let me tell you what I was freaked out by, a little Japanese girl in a yellow raincoat. (laughs) You have never in your life been more afraid Mm. of a little Japanese girl in a yellow raincoat. Right. And water, just water like like if it was flooding and sort of like coming at your feet, like just water. And the other thing that's also super scary a red Hello Kitty handbag. Right. <laughs> and you're like, how on earth am I this afraid of like a little Japanese girl in a yellow raincoat? I was talking to, I teach English online for people that don't know. 
Um, and I was talking to my students in Taiwan who go hiking all the time. It's yeah. like, what did you do this weekend? We went hiking. What did mm. you do? We went camping. It's like all they do. It's awesome. It's so cool because it's a small island and it's like very mountainous in the middle. Okay. Um, so they were telling me about uh, a folklore story about a um, ghost that trails hikers on these hiking trails. And it's a little girl, mm. I think in a raincoat as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, cool. I'm never going hiking in Taiwan. <laughs> like this woman's child gets lost and starts walking behind me, like saying, help. I'm like, my God, <laughs> push her off the cliff. <laughs> um, the, the film I've always wanted to watch is that, that sort of parody, the Dale and Tucker versus uh, evil. What's it called? Yes. Dale and Tucker versus evil. I think yeah. it's really good. Have you heard about this? No. It's such a great premise. We, we need to get back to work, but, but, um, the the premise is that these are two like sort of mountainous hillbilly, hillbilly brothers that are just wanting to help campers, but but it's it's almost like a horror movie from their perspective where they're actually just trying to help them, but in the eyes of the campers they come across as like the evil dudes that are trying to, <laughs> trying to like kill them, but it's like it's the other side if they were just trying to help. It's like I don't know if you've seen those jokes of that like prince in um nigeria who's yes. like i just want to give money to people like <laughs> <laughs> like what's wrong with people like why is no one taking me yeah. up on this <laughs> like i just want to share some money with the world oh. poor guy all right thank you for tuning in my name is russell grant i was doing a shift with graham hackney and cole matthews those are regular co-workers here at the video store. If you want to subscribe, if you don't already, uh, please hit subscribe. Let us know what you think. Uh, we are the videostore.co.za. You can share the love and people can find their platforms and subscribe. Um, over on Instagram, we are the video store pod. Um, please get in touch there and let us know what your sort of childhood altering scary movie was maybe one that you were a little too young to have seen <laughs> and over on facebook we are facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the video store cool thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week <laughs>